Um, I'm in, as I mentioned, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting at verse 14. It says, Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take care, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always tries to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit, do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said, hold on to what is good, and stay away from every kind of evil. My title on what I'm going to be teaching this morning is Now More Than Ever, It's Time to Do the Right Thing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning, today, every morning, Lord, that, that first of all, that you know our name. First of all, that when we pray to you right now, that you're listening. You actually are, are opening up your ears to us, even though we don't know what your ears are. You, you are hearing us, Lord. You have a personal relationship with each and every one of us that are your children. And Lord, we thank you for allowing us to be encompassed in your family and to serve you and to obey you and to glorify you, Lord. We thank you for the building that we have here today. We thank you for the opportunity to meet. We thank you for the word that you have given us that we can look at your word so that we may read it and hear you speak to us, Lord. And we ask that you're, you open up hearts and ears this morning and that you speak through me your word in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so, this, well, yesterday um, I was looking, as I was reading over these verses, um, and Pastor always tells me, he's like, you know, keep something available in case, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be here. And um, so, on Wednesday night, I taught something that he told that to me, and I had something that was, I mean, I had written back in January, and so I had to go back in and tweak a few things. And last night he calls me at 10.30 to, you know, like, hey, I'm, I'm in a hotel in Orlando. My back's hurting. My neck's hurting. Please pray for Pastor. Um, he goes, You're, you know, you okay in the morning or do I need to get up and drive back? Because I will if I, need, if I need to. And I'm like, no, Pastor, I, I got it. And so um, I took the verses that we had and, you know, tweaked a few things. And, you know, as you pray, God gives you... Um, I, mean, I mean, this is the way. This is the way I believe that someone that's going to stand up and teach the word. First of all, they have to have somewhat of a knowledge of the word, and I don't believe Pastor would put me here if I hadn't, um, if I haven't been under his um, teachings for a while, and that he knew that I was gaining something, and that if he knew that I was in my word daily, and um, and I, I tell you, it's, it is a great thing to be in your word daily. Um, for all, for everyone here, teenagers, for everyone here, um, it is so good to not wake up, throw on clothes, and get to where you're supposed to be, right? I know, so uh, Coach and his boys, they come and help us on food and clothing, and man, I thank God for their help, but I know that they wake up at 7 o'clock to get here at 7.15, Right? But I'm going to just tell you this. 
There ain't nothing better than waking up at 5.30, praying a little bit, walking to the kitchen, make a cup of coffee. I go out. I hit my swimming pool. We may not have the luxury of that. I happen to, to, be, to be able to do that. Swim in my swimming pool, get out, drink my coffee, sit down, and I read my Bible. I don't leave the house till 7.30 or 8. I'm two, and, I'm two to two and a half hours before I get into my day every day. And that, I will just recommend that to every Christian. It is so awesome to spend time with God every morning to get your day started and going the right way. So I was thinking last night, and I was thinking about the, um, uh, the first verse in chapter 14, if we'll put that up. It says, brothers and sisters. So first of all, brothers and sisters, who is that talking to? Who is Paul talking to? He's talking to the Christians of Thessalonica. And he says, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. And so... When I was thinking about that, it's, you know, if you're lazy, that means you just sit around and do nothing, right? You lay back on the couch, you watch TV, you, whatever, you just sit out, you just sit down, you lay in a, 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 you know, you just don't do the things that you're supposed to do. I mean, there's a time to relax, but there's also a time to work. And so um, I was thinking in this, you know, laziness, sitting around, that when they're doing that, they're not really, you're not really offending anybody other than maybe your parent, unless you are the parent. I mean, you're not really offending anybody. And I was thinking back, and I actually had to look it up, um, because I remember the name and I remember what happened to him. But to be honest with you, I never, until I looked it up, I did not know that Rodney King was an actor. But he was an actor. Um, March 3rd, 1991 is when the Rodney King beatings happened. And his famous saying is, can't we all just get along? And so I had this, you know, can't we get along, urge those who are lazy. And there are some things that we need to get up and do so that we can get along and that we can um, get people to move to action. And let me just make it clear, without a doubt, we need to get along. We absolutely need to get along. But, and this is where I was talking with Dina this morning, getting along is not just shutting up and keeping quiet. Okay? There is an action required by God as Christians for us to go out and do. Now, there can be 52 sermons, one for every, more than that, of things that we are supposed to do as Christians. But in this you know, the reading of Thessalonians, this verses that I'm going through right here are the verses at the end of the chapter or the end of the book right before Paul says goodbye. And these are exhortations or commands that Paul is giving us. So Paul is simply the writing instrument. These are going to be exhortations that are given by God to do. So we are not supposed to tell them we're not just supposed to tell them to be lazy, but to urge them. We're supposed to urge Christians to get up and do things. We're called by action by God not to just show up a couple times a month to church service. Not just to come in here and get some air conditioning, which I don't know if it's a thing up here or not, but is anyone in there hot? Because I'm hot. Okay. Um, I don't have... 
don't know. Ken, you know how to turn the air conditioner down two notches? Okay, would you please do that? Because I'm dying up here. I, was, I, I always sat right down there, and I'm thinking, ah, it's just Pastor because he's, you know. But, um, but I'm, hot, I'm, I'm warm up here. Um, so not suck up the air conditioning. That's where I got onto that. Um, so when I was, and I, I, I talked about this on Wednesday night. Um, I grew up in the Episcopal Church, and... Even as late as right before I moved here, right before I came under pastor, I was in the Episcopal Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. And by the way, that's Lafayette, like you're laughing. In Louisiana, it's Lafayette if you're in Indiana because they don't know how to pronounce it. So um, in, in Lafayette, I was going to church two to three times a month, showing up two or three Sundays. Um, I was rotating in the... Um, ushers at the door, which they had separate door ushers and then separate collection. And then in the Episcopal Church, sometimes they did it every week, sometimes they did it every other week, but they had communion on a regular basis. Um, and so there was different ushers that would, you know, go down and let people come up. And um, so it was a whole different thing there. I was a member of a softball team um, with, our, with our church, and that's a whole different story of crazy stuff. Um, but I thought I was doing good. Oh, and the last thing is always so funny. It's always funny to me. It's, and it was only because I didn't know. Um, I had, you know, two dudes come to my house from the church. I'm like, sweet, yeah, come on in. Give them some sweet tea. And we're sitting here talking, and they're talking about the church budget. We're putting the church budget together for next year. And we know that you're kind of a new member. This is when I first got there. We know that you're a new member. And um, we were wondering what you would be, you know, on the tithe, what we could get, you know, commitment out of you. Um, do you think you would like to tithe 3%, 5%, 7%, or 10%? And for those of you that aren't laughing, you don't get it. Tithe means 10%, and I never knew that. I was a math dude, and I'm like, sweet, I'll tithe 3%. All right, so I was a 3% tither, right? Should have been a 3 tenth percent tither, right? Um, so I was a 3% tither. I was a two Sundays a week um, going to church. And I was an usher, I was a softball player, and, you know, and I was like, man, look at, look, look at me. Dude, I'm a big man in the church. I do all these things, right? But none of them pertain to God and what he called me to do. I was just sucking it up. I had been in the Episcopal Church for so long that I knew the Book of Common Prayer, whether you were doing the communion service or not, by heart, by the time I was age of 13. So was I really getting anything out of it? I, I wasn't. My mom kept thumping me to get me to shut up because I was, without the book open, I was speaking out loud the words that the priest was getting ready to say about that fast in front of him just to prove that I knew what he was getting ready to say. I wasn't getting anything out of it. And this is not what God called us to do. God has called us to go out and to talk to people and to give them wisdom on the things that we're doing. So when it says us to urge the lazy, a couple things that we can tell them to do is to let's get up and do something that is going to help advance the kingdom of God. Right? Helping on food and clothing. Helping around your church. All of that is great. But there's two things that were revealed to me when I taught Wednesday night that really hit me that I knew, but they stood out to me um, a lot more. And that was the first thing is... God gives us wisdom. God gives us wisdom to talk to people and to how to act. 
He is not going to throw us into a situation where somebody, well, unless you put yourself in that place, but God gives us the wisdom if we will take the time to listen, which is reading your Bible, that's listening. If you will take the time to listen to God and learn, He will give you the wisdom. And when you are put into a situation that you have to talk with somebody that is either a new Christian or not a Christian, He will give you the words that you are to talk to them about and tell them about. Okay, And then the second thing that Richard and I really were talking about after service, and I felt it so strong that I needed to mention it again, and that is when we see people get saved. I mean, I was saved in a church of about 3,000. Um, the crazy thing is for 37 years I grew up in the Episcopal church and not one time did anybody ever ask me if I was saved. And not one time did anybody ever lead me to Christ and so I was, if you would have asked me for 37 years if I was a Christian, if I was saved, I'd be like, yeah, I go to church, yeah, I, I, I tithe 3%, of course I am, right? So for 37 years, I thought I was a Christian. And then I went to a different church, just, I say, on a whim, God says, I sent you there, okay? Because God guides your heart, He knows what's going on, He lays out the plan for you. I went to a church and I heard some hardcore preaching that was really some truthful stuff and it hit me like a ton of bricks and I gave my life to Christ that day in 1998 in August. So the problem was I went down with that's 35, I mean 3,000 people. There was 35, 40 people across the front getting saved and they came along and they took my name, said they'd pray for me. We went back to our seats and that was it. And between 1998... And 2003, when I came here, nobody ever told me how to be a Christian. All I knew was that book of common prayer that I had memorized every service. And I think we fall into this where when we see whether we're parents and see our children get saved or we bring people that are friends or we see people that are friends or our colleagues or if, you know, when people first get saved... No one seems to, and this is from my personal experience, which is why I say seem, no one seems to impart the wisdom of what do you do next. Okay? So as a Christian, let's don't be lazy. Let's impart the wisdom that God has given us. And when we see somebody get saved, you got to let them know. This is a personal relationship. Relationships require communication. And communication is talking to God, praying, and reading His Word, listening. And if you will do that, if you have communication with each person, or with God each day, and each of us will do that, then He's going to impart this wisdom that's going to allow us to go out and then teach somebody. Because I could have easily fallen by the wayside. I struggled for five years. When pastor says the worst type of Christian is one that's got one foot in the world and one foot in Jesus, that was me for five years because nobody ever taught me what to do. And all I knew was the still small voice inside me every once in a while I was like, something ain't right, something ain't right, something ain't right, something ain't right. And I would live like I normally lived and do all these things and something ain't right. So I'm trying on my way to guide my path through a water, you know, be like a boat without a compass. I'm trying to figure my own way through Christianity and didn't even have a Bible. How am I going to figure my way through Christianity if no one told me to read the Bible, right? So we need 
warn them, quit being lazy, get a personal relationship with God, and get out and teach somebody. Impart the wisdom that God gives to us onto someone else. Encourage those who are timid and take care of those who are weak. So we have a crisis going on right now in the earth. And with every situation or every um, thing that's going on in the world, there are two things that happen with every single thing. It doesn't matter if it's a football game, fishing, an election, um, your work. It doesn't matter. Every time something happens, there are two things that are going on. One of them is that it's perceived by you, and one of them is real. What's really going down. Okay, so there's a perceived and a real. Right now, whether you believe, I mean, COVID-19 has killed people. It is a deadly disease. There's also some whack numbers out there. I'll just leave it. I mean, New York has come up with some and said that they've had some. Um, California's come up and had some. Um, Florida, you know, state of the hanging Chad. We've had some weird numbers, you know, here in, in Florida as well. So, um, and, and what's crazy is as the death toll for COVID goes up, the death tolls for the flu and suicide and getting run over by a car, those are going down because all those are getting attributed to COVID. So, it's a real event, but whether it's as real as it's perceived to be or not, it is an event that is out there. And there are people who are scared to death of it. And that's okay. I'm not. But I've got people in my household that fall into that group that I need to be worried about that are over 65. So for that reason, you know, I, I am a... I'll just say it. I am an anti-mask wearer, okay? Um, but when I, you know, I, I carry a mask in my truck, and if I'm supposed to be, now, you know, if I'm supposed to be wearing a mask, I wear the mask. The first chance I get, I mean, I'm like, if the door's right here and I'm walking out, my mask is coming off right here. You know, I mean, I'm, like, by the time I hit that threshold, the mask is off. But... There are people out there that are timid, and we need to be conscious of those people. Paul said that everything that we is, that's given thanks by God is cleansed. Like, like, you know, Paul ate pork and other things that were considered unclean. And yet he said, if I'm around others that that bothers, I'm just not going to do it. I mean, it didn't, it was, he wasn't so, he's, in his mind, he knew, I can eat whatever I want. But he didn't go in on top of somebody else and go, man, your beliefs are stupid because don't you know that we can do this? And it, No, Paul had respect. He had people that were timid, like, uh, I'm Christian, but, you know, Jewish ways was no need. And so, and like, they were timid about what they were doing. So Paul didn't put any burden in on top of them. So we want to encourage those who are timid, take care, take tender care of those who are weak. And again, with the, with the COVID-19 that's going on right now, we have to take care of those that are timid and weak. And it's called by God, it's commanded by God that we do so. Be patient with everyone. 
Man, is there anybody in here besides me that that's hard to do? <laughs> Thank God for a few truthful people. I think Rick figured out that I was going to... To be honest, I didn't know until 10.30 last night, but Rick asked me yesterday, hey, are you preaching today? And I don't know... Um, I, I shouldn't say that because he probably had something good going on this morning that he needed to do. But, um, but I'm going to use him as an example anyway. We're at Food and Clothing yesterday, and um, actually Charity, <clears throat> she comes over to me, and she goes, Hey, Elder Jimmy, she said, we just had a car that came through, and they had come through about two hours ago. And I think they were thinking that we wouldn't notice, but they like double-dipped us, and they hit us for a couple boxes each time. And they're like, what, sh- what should I do? And the first thing I said was, well, that's why when I stand up in the pulpit and I talk about gifts, that, that is, this is not my gift to be out here handing stuff to people in food and clothing. And I used the example of when, I was, when we were not doing the drive-through and we were carrying boxes to the cars, and I'm carrying this box for this woman and I get out to her car, and her husband's sitting back on the wheel. Well, I don't know if he was her husband, but dude sitting back on the wheel like this, you know, waiting for me to load stuff up. I'm like, mm, you know, creep my neck a little bit. Mm, mm. Okay, go on in, right? And then about 20 minutes later, I see someone else carrying a box for him. He didn't even care. Most of the dudes will carry their own boxes. Nah, man, I got my box. Right? The women, we carry all the women's boxes out. This dude letting the man, church man, carry his box out. And then I'm like, Lord, you're testing my patience today. Let me just go back inside. We got any water? Kyrana knows I don't like to drink water, but that day I was like, I need some water to cool down. I'm a Mountain Dew dude. She asked me yesterday, I'll sweat and just drink. And she asked me, Did you drink anything? I'm like, Yeah, three Mountain Dews. (laughs) And she's like, no, you got to get... She goes, I'm going to quit asking you. She goes, you don't do anything healthy for yourself. I'm going to quit asking you. She asked me about my blood. I, nah, she's like, I'm done with you. I'm going to quit asking you. Because I kind of believe in doctors the way pastor does. They reason that they're called to practice. Because they practice. So, um, anyway, that's not my gift to go out and do that. And then, you know, when you go out and you're carrying a box. And you go to a Mercedes SUV and she's like, oh, just put it in the back, pops the trunk, and you're like, well, I got no room because there's stuff from four other food and clothing places here, and you're loaded up, right? Okay, so that's not my, I don't even know how I got all the way off. Oh, be patient. That's, that's how I got off on that is be patient with everyone. So, um, but in God's wisdom and not my wisdom, I told Charity the same thing the pastor told me is, hey, if they come through this line, Give them their food and bless them and pray for them because it's not up to us to judge the people that come through. You don't know what happened. That Mercedes that came through the line twice, they may be used to living on $20,000 a month. There's people out there that make that much. And if they just got whacked $20,000 a month because they got fired... And the state maximum is 275 with an extra 600 from the government, which, by the way, I think we were heavy because that went away last week. And then I don't know if you guys are aware, it's just to make you aware of something. Um, 
Because the Congress and the Senate could not figure out what they were doing, yesterday President Trump signed an executive order to put back 400 a week until they figure out what they're doing. Okay, so, um, so anyway, still, if I'm getting 400 plus 275, that's 675, and that for a month is somewhere around $2,600. And if I'm used to making $20,000 um, and I can get some free groceries then I'm, I'm going to go get some free groceries. So you can't judge that person that pulls up in that Mercedes. It's not up to us to do it. But if they are doing it sneaky and lying, then they're not going to stand before us on Judgment Day. They're going to stand before God on Judgment Day. So be patient, God. Please give me patience with everyone. In verse 15, it says, Do not pay back evil for evil. Man, don't you think there's some of that going on right now? There's a lot of that going on right now. Um, I think because it's not brand new news, um, it's kind of like, and I'm referencing food and clothing a lot, but it's kind of like our food and clothing when we'll come in and say, yeah, we gave away 500, we fed 500 families um, on Saturday, and the church is like, sweet, yeah, okay, yeah, that's, that's, that's what we do. Um, but... In Portland, I don't know if you guys know, those riots hadn't stopped. Does anybody know that they're into like two over two months every day into the third month? Um, and the mayor of Portland finally said, oh, no, you crossed the line on this because they were firing um, weapons, munition, bottle rocket, things that would start fire. They were trying to burn down a federal building. And they were, they were hitting some officers and attacking some officers. Um, so the rioting got a little bit out of control. The point is, all that rioting is still going on. There's fighting against fighting. It's evil against evil out there right now. Because let me tell you this. Evil is not going to defeat evil. I know you've heard pastors say that. It's going to take love to defeat evil. And the only way that we're going to change this is what I was talking about before the service or before my teaching when I was saying that it's going to take us to change this. Two groups warring against each other. It doesn't matter who they are. It could have been the Klan against Black Lives Matter. I mean, I mean not Black, but um, Black Panthers. I mean, if you've got two groups out there with hate going on, it doesn't matter which one wins. It really doesn't because we still have issues and violence and, and divisive um, ways going on. I mean, that is not the answer. The answer is to do what Coach Green's doing. He's taking a group of boys that may or may not have a good shot in the world, and he's taking them, and they're traveling all over the country. And by the way, they could use a little help. Give praise. Thank you, Coach Green. Um, if you guys would like, they, they, got, they need a little help traveling. Um, they have a travel, how many basketball teams you got? Five? He's taken five, all teenagers? Even the young, yeah. Five different traveling basketball teams of teenagers that he's given his own time and money. And Stacy too, but I'll throw her in. She's helping a little bit. Right, you guys know I love Stacy. Um, <laughs> okay, I won't argue. I'll get along. Um, but no, Coach Green is doing something that is incredible. It's every bit as important as what we're doing up here in food and clothing. He is taking local kids in the community that have talent 
and he is traveling around and taking them to tournaments. And if the money can't be raised, he's spending his own dime. So if you guys want to help a worthy cause, um, food and clothing, absolutely. Coach Green and his basketball teams, you can see him afterwards. You can't miss him. He's wearing that ugly University of Miami shirt. I mean, that orange University of Miami shirt back there. And um, is a very worthy cause, okay? He is helping people um, get out of where they are and doing things. He is repaying what's going on in the world with love. And those kids are seeing love from Coach Green and Stacy Green, right? Absolutely. Give them praise. Chicago, Philadelphia, prayer, Miss Cheryl. Um, speaking of Terry and Cheryl, dude, if you ever thought of God's voice, did, did not Terry just like that low and just like that's how it seems like God would talk to me. I, like he knows my name and I'm thinking, wow, that's like, like that's how I'd imagine. And then Cheryl, she's got a soulful voice and everybody on the praise and worship team is awesome. I'm not trying to exclude anyone else. But um, I was just, you know, it just kind of hit me. I'm like, man, I mean, Morgan Freeman, he played, you know, I mean, if you're going to play God, he was awesome. I mean, I, got, I really enjoyed Morgan Freeman as God, and I believe in a lot of things that he does as well. But, um, but man, Chicago. Chicago is horrible, and there's nothing being done about it. Can you imagine if there was... 320 Abundant Life Christian Fellowships doing food and clothing and um, beyond Abundant Life, the community center that was doing tutoring in the school. I mean, that, that's the struggle that I have with some of these national organizations. Some of these national organizations, um, and, and I will just, I mean, I'll use this as an example because it's what's going on right now today. The organization, Black Lives Matter, it's like they stole a great cause. They stole a great cause because their cause is not for black lives to matter. They're, called, they're, they're a fascist group. They, are, they do not believe in the core family. Um, and they have, dude, have you seen some of their buses? They've got some of the most luxury $500,000, $600,000 buses, and they haven't put one community center in Chicago. I mean, if they really wanted to do something, if any group wanted to do something, they would be putting something in Chicago and something in Philadelphia. And again, I mentioned it earlier because our neighborhood right now is not just black. We got poor people in this neighborhood, and there are poor people in the neighborhoods of Chicago and Philadelphia and other major cities that are not getting help. And that's where the help needs to be, not tearing down. Whether it's a black restaurant, a white restaurant, it don't matter. That's not what we need to be doing. We need to be helping as churches moving forward and helping in our local community. We are not supposed to repay evil for evil. We are supposed to get out there and overcome evil with love. Next verse. Mm. Always be joyful. So the first couple verses that I covered and the first few exhortations that Paul gave to the Thessalonians were things that we should be doing visibly outward that can be seen as Christians. Showing love to each other, being patient with each other, giving wisdom to each other, um, you know, spreading God's word. I mean, all of these things that we are supposed to be doing as Christians going out and moving. 
The next couple versions, uh, verses, next three actually, are things that actions, but they're things that we need to do as individuals. Okay? And the first one, verse 16, is always be joyful. Do you realize? Again, this kind of goes back to the very beginning of the service when I was saying that if you really knew, if you really knew that the creator of the universe had a personal relationship with you and that he controlled everything and he had his hand on the way things moved, whether you like your situation or not, that you would be joyful. We need to be joyful in all things here on the earth. We need to be joyful that we wake up and that the day is sunny. We need to be joyful that it's raining outside. We need to be joyful that we got a, a dry parking lot and a wet parking lot. Um, we need to be joyful that we've got a building here that's not leaking water in on top of us. Um, need a new roof, but God's got that under control too. We need to be joyful in everything. And the biggest reason... The biggest reason that we need to be joyful in every single thing that happens is because when this life is over, Christians have a hope that no one else has. This, until you realize, until you realize that earth is not your home. Jacksonville is not your home. Lake Asbury is not my home. I'm just here. Until you realize that the kingdom of God is your home, I don't believe you can be truly joyful in everything. Because there's going to be things that hit you weird, right? I mean, I was in my Bible last night preparing for this morning. I got up this morning and I'm praying and I'm like, man, I'm out back. I did my swimming. I did my reading with God. I, I'm praying. Um, I mean, coffee, I got horses behind me, I got my dog by my feet. I'm like, man, this is just like, I can be joyful in that situation, right? I think any of you guys could be joyful in that situation. And then Big Jimmy calls me at 8.30. And he's like, hey, your yard is all locked up nice and peaceful. I'm like, of course it is. It's Sunday. He goes, well, I got Lloyd here ready to build some panels for you, some wood panels. Why? Because last night your text said tomorrow. I'm like, good golly. I'm like, don't you know, like, wouldn't you have thought that when I said tomorrow or Tuesday that I meant Monday or Tuesday, right? But, you know, and he's like, well, Lloyd can't work on Monday. And I have a bunch of wood fence. I own a wood uh, a fence company, not just wood. We do all kinds of fence, including commercial. But um, I'm like, I, I'm not going to get this stuff built. I got to have, like, what? Uh, so here, my peaceful morning, my joy. What? What? Is, no, no. He's like, okay, I'll just leave. No, 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 no. You can't leave. Hang on. Let me call my yard. And I'm calling my yard guy. Hey, dude, I know it's Sunday morning at 830, but I got Jimmy and Lloyd right outside the gates right now locked because I have a man that lives on my yard. Thank God for that. And he's like, dude, I'm in my skivvies right now. What do you want me to do? And I'm like, well, you know, I, 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 you're not supposed to work. He's a salaried man. I know you're not supposed to work on Sundays. I'm not really asking you to work. And Lloyd's new, by the way. He's got to teach him how to build the panels. The guy's a carpenter. He's going to pick it up like that. But he still has to be showed at least one time. 
Right, Melvin? I mean, you can't just, you got to show somebody once. You can't just tell them to go frame a house and they'll go frame a house. Right? So, which by the way, Melvin can do. If you guys need any add-ons or any kind of work, I'll just, you know, pump Melvin up from here. Go see him. He can do your work for you. But, um, but <laughs> I'm like, 8.30, and I'm sitting there, and Nancy, she's like, calm down. you got to preach this morning. I'm like, I know, but look what's going on, right? So should I have been joyful? Actually, I should have because it don't matter because God's got this, right? If I didn't show up this morning, uh, we'd have had praise and worship for an hour and a half. I mean, you know, someone would have gotten up here and said, okay, it's time to leave. Somebody greet each other, um, what have you. It's going to move forward. We need to always be joyful in everything. And the joy that we need to have is because God's got it under control. Ultimately, one way or another, God has it under control. And when we're done, our joy is in heaven. Now, Terry, I talked to him this morning, and he's got feeling back in his toes, and he's got energy, and he's doing good. So for those of you that don't know, um, Terry lost feeling in his toes, diabetes, some other stuff going on. So let's give God praise for everything that's going on with him. But I'll just say this. Cheryl's in the... Um, I always gave Terry candy. I can't do that anymore. Cheryl's in the B building and said something about Terry not having candy. And, you know, he's got all these things are going on and asking for prayer and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I said, but let me just say this. I'm going to eat pie and die if, if it was me. And she's like, elder, you can't do that. You can't leave Miss Nancy. And I'm like, okay, so let me get this straight. You want me to quit eating candy, and you want me to eat vegetables and Brussels sprouts and everything like that, junk that I don't like so that I can stay on this earth longer and take longer to get to Jesus. So you're trying to keep me away from Jesus and hate it while I'm here, right? Dude, just give me some pie. I'll go in two years. I'll beat everybody there, right? Your hope is in the Lord. You always have to be joyful. Nancy's laughing. When we get done, she's going to hit me on the way out. She goes, you better not do that. So I have to think what Paul said is, you know, because Paul was called up into heaven, and Paul said, I struggle with the choice of whether to go see Jesus or to stay here on earth, but I know that I should stay here because I'm needed. And at this point, let me just say this. As long as I am here, I know that I'm needed. Because when God's done with me, that's when I won't be here anymore. And then my hope is in heaven. Um, next verse, 17. Never stop praying. Other versions, it says, pray without ceasing. And... I know that I have heard at least two or three different sermons from pastor on just that verse. So I know that there's an hour, hour and 15 minutes that I could talk just on that, but I'm not going to. I mean, it's, you know, quarter to 12. Um, I was hoping to get out of here a few minutes early. So Wednesday night, I had five pages of notes, and I had to skip three of them because I ran out of time. So today I only did two pages of notes, and hopefully we'll get done on time. Um, but pray without ceasing. And pastor has talked about that. We, we literally cannot pray all the time. I have to stop and talk to my wife. When my mind is on my conversation with my wife, I am not praying at that time. But prayer needs to be on our lips and on our minds constantly. And I find that I go in and out um, because it's not 
a habit yet. And you need to get it into a habit. And I'm trying. You guys got to just go with me, forgive me, take me as I am. I'm trying to get it into a habit of the first thing I should have done this morning when Jimmy called and said, hey, the yard's good. I'm here at the yard. I'm like, okay, good. Why? I got Lloyd here. I should have gone, hang on just a second. And I sh- my mind should have gone to prayer right away and said, Lord, how do I take care of this? You just threw me a curveball. I'm, I'm supposed to be teaching this morning. How am I taking care of this? Because I know you got it. I know you've got it under control. And that's another way that you can always be joyful. If you don't, if, if the prayer, if prayer is your go-to, if that's the first thing that you do when junk happens, then the junk isn't going to bother you so much. It's going to allow you to be patient. That Mercedes pulls up for the third time with you know, food to the roof, and I just say, Lord, I don't know her situation. You just leave me what to do. Okay, here's the food. Thank you so much. God bless you. you know, I'll pray for you. If, you. um, if you would just let God have it, and you would have prayer on your mind, and let that be the first thing. Let that be your go-to. In any situation that comes up, perceived or real, go to prayer first. And that will get you your never stop praying. Your pray without ceasing. If you're constantly talking to God. Next verse. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. It's part of what we just went over to the, of the praying. If praying is your first go-to, it's going to be easier to thank, you, to thank God for everything. Be thankful in all circumstances. My first reaction this morning was not to be thankful. But the reality was, 10 years ago, I had the opportunity to give somebody a break. We put a trailer on my yard at my work, and we gave someone a place to live. And in exchange for that, he gets he's probably the highest paid yard man in the city of Jacksonville, but I didn't have to pay for security because he's on, on site all the time. So 10 years ago, God already took care of this morning. So I should have been thankful for that because all I had to do was make a phone call and it was taken care of. So no matter your situation, be thankful in everything that we do. Because God, everything that we have good. Psalm 16 says every good thing we have comes from God. And everything that we have is good. Believe that or not. But it is. Because the Bible says it. If your knees are aching, your shoulders aching. You know, pastor with his back and his neck. Um, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. But the same as Paul. Paul had an affliction. And God said it's sufficient. My love is sufficient. And that's what is sufficient. And that's what will allow us to be thankful in every circumstance. People ask all the time. I wonder, you know, I mean, I've had people change churches. Well, I want to see what God's will is for me. I'm just going to kind of bounce around. Or I want to talk to pastor because I don't, you know, I'm not... mm, not sure if I should go do this, if I should move to Orlando, or if I should go travel overseas. Like, I don't know what God's will is for me. But here's something right here. 
And be thankful for all your circumstances. For this is God's will. How more clear is that than this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus? On verse 19. So, <clears throat> verses 16, 17, and 18 that I just covered were kind of individual things. The first couple verses that I covered were things that we're supposed to do outwardly. These next couple verses, two to three verses, are things that we should do internally every single day. These are your own, these are your personal things that Paul is commanding the Thessalonians to do. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Okay? That can be confusing. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Well, how am I going to stifle the Holy Spirit? I, I can't stop God. I can't stop the Holy Spirit. But you can't. If you are a Christian, if you are born again, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And if you go against those first five years that I was saved and I was doing things wrong and then I like, eh, that didn't feel right. That's the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit speaking inside of you. You don't have to be at some location where people are speaking in tongues to have that think, think that that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives each inside each and every one of you that call yourselves Christian, that are truly children of God. And that Holy Spirit is going to guide you. And to be honest with you, it's going to tell you to do the right things. Right? Well, I used the example the other night. Um, well, I'll go a little bit different. But when I was um, 16 and I had my first car, which was a 1972 Dodge Challenger, loved it. I wanted to get one of the new ones when they started coming out again because it's the closest one. The Camaro doesn't look like the old Camaro. Charger doesn't look like the old Charger. The Mustang doesn't look like the old Mustang. But the Challenger. Go look up some pictures of 72 Challengers, man. I was driving down the road. I'm like, what? Look at that 70. What? Look at that. I'm like, wait a minute. Where are all these Challengers coming from? And then I found out that they were you know, retro in the Challengers. And anyway, when I, was, um, when I would drive back and forth between Mobile and Pensacola, um, which I did a lot, um, and this is, I'll just throw another thing. This is how old I am. Interstate 10 wasn't even built. Interstate 10, I used to have to take Highway 90 when I first started driving. But when they opened up Interstate 10, do you know how many people drive on a brand new road? Nobody. Nobody. 140, woo, to Mobile. 140 back, woo. I'm like, 27 minutes. 60 miles away, 27 minutes. And it's like, what? So... It was fun to me to do that. Nancy's covering her eyes. It was fun to me to do that. But would it have really been fun if I'd had the police, which the police weren't patrolling the roads back then. But, dude, anything over, like, whatever it is, 12, 15 miles an hour, you don't get a ticket for speeding. You get reckless driving. They take your car, impound it, and you go to jail. Right? So what I am thinking, you know, if... I would have been saved at the time, and I was not, then as, I, as my speedometer broke 80, 90, 120, and I'm pushing 140, the Holy Spirit had been screaming inside of me. And if I'd have done it anyway, that would be me stifling the Holy Spirit, right? And then there are consequences to your actions, and when you get, that, when you get hit by the popo, you are not happy anymore because at that speed you're going to jail and your car's getting towed right so do not stifle the holy spirit whatever you think might be fun 
whatever you think, that, that whatever urge it is that you want to do, whatever, I mean, whether it's looking at stuff on the internet that you shouldn't do, whether it's going out and getting drunk, which you shouldn't do, whether it's whoring around, which you shouldn't do, whatever, if it's gossiping, which you shouldn't do, right? Whatever the sin is that you shouldn't do, and you get that little inside voice inside you that's nagging, and you go ahead and open your mouth, and you speak on somebody that's not standing right there in front of you and talking bad about them, you are stifling the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. Listen to your small, still voice from God inside of you and do the right thing. Doing the right thing is always better. Doing the right thing is always easier. I'm going to tell you this, teenagers oh, and adults. It's easier to tell the truth because then you don't have to remember the lie that you told and make it all work out. Or you don't have to cover up and get your friends to help to work that into the lie. The more elaborate the scheme, the harder it is to remember and the easier it is to get caught. Best thing to do is just tell the truth. And to be honest with you, with my kids, they, man, when my kids would tell me the truth, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't figure this out. But when they told the truth, they didn't really get in that much trouble. When I caught him lying, whew, Man, Andrew's not here, so I'm going to pick on him. Nancy's going to shake her head at me. Andrew got mad at me one day. Um, we, we had something going on. I caught him doing something. He'd been lying to me. I caught him, and I was yelling at him. So he got up, and he slammed the door to our back door going out, and it's glass so you can see through it. And he saw me coming up out of the chair as the door was still on its way. When I got out into the backyard, he was laying on the ground with both hands over his butt at 13 years old. Right? So, for him, if he'd have just told me, I had a talking to him. You get into more trouble when you don't do the right thing. Whether it's with your parents, whether it's with the law, or whether it's with the Holy Spirit. So do not stifle the Holy Spirit. In verse 20, do not scoff at prophecies. That can be a really, really deep subject. But let me just put some prophecies in Revelation in front of you that, or, or a comment about it that Jesus says, all these things got to happen that are going on in the world today. All these things got to happen. Earthquakes, hurricanes, plagues, epidemics, wars, natural disasters, typhoon. All these things got to come because all of them are the end of times. And we should not scoff at these things, but we should use them as an understanding that it's closer today than it was yesterday. Pastor asked us in a couple Wednesday night classes ago, he was, um, he threw out, he says, just give me some feedback. Um, does anybody have an estimate on when they think the rapture is going to occur? Because we are going to be called up. Anybody have an estimate? And a couple people said some things, and I said, you know, at the most 15 years. 
And, you know, and he's like, well, you know, we got to have a theological discussion later on, Elder Jimmy, because that ain't right. Um, but I, I still stick with what I said at the most, like it could happen. But his answer was, here's what you should believe as true Christians is, why am I still here? Why hasn't it happened yet? And if it hadn't happened yet, it's going to happen in the next minute. If it hadn't happened yet, it's going to happen in the next minute. Because everything that the Bible has declared is coming to pass. We can now see on the other side of the world the two men that are supposed to be laying in front of the wall, dead for three days and then rise up. Like we can see that happen right now. Don't scoff at prophecies, but just use prophecies as a preparedness to get ready because Christ is coming. He is coming, he's coming back, and he's coming back soon. And I may not even get done with today in the next three minutes before he takes us back. Verse 21. Ah, this is good. Test everything that is said. Everything I say up here, you shouldn't just take because I happen to be up here. I am not a David. I am not an Isaiah. I am not a Pastor Scott. I ask God all the time, whew, God, I know me. How come I'm up here? Because I know me. Couldn't you have found somebody better? Couldn't you have found, well, yeah. Yeah, he could have found someone better. He could have found someone holier. He could have found a better speaker. He could have found someone. But for some reason, God chose me. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't test everything that I say or everything that pastor says or everything that your favorite TV preacher says most of the time you're going to find that what they say doesn't always jive when you take things in whole context. You have to look at it not bit by bit. We break it down bit by bit for our meaning and understanding, but you've got to take the whole context of the chapter when you're reading and the book. Hold on to what is good. Remember, we cannot defeat evil with evil. We have to defeat evil with love. Hold on to the things that are good. Show those things. We are salt and light as Christians. Hold on to the things that are good. In verse 22, just stay away from it. Just stay away from it. If it's evil, and evil is doing is bad. Any, evil is any, any sin, as small as, it, small as you might think it is. Just stay away from it. Doing good is better. Being in the right frame of mind is better. Living in the Holy Spirit is better. If we do these things, just like I said with speeding, it seemed like fun to do 140, but it would not have ended up fun because I was doing evil at the time. God said to keep man's laws. I was breaking that, so I was sinning. If you do the things you're supposed to do, stay away. It's the easiest thing. Stay away from evil. Just do the right thing, and you're going to be in a good position. Each of the things that I've covered today in these verses, each of the exhortations, and that's a command. They're commands, not suggestions. So what I've covered today, test the word. What I have covered today are not things that I just thought, man, this is a good group of suggestions. If most people did this, if we got people to do this, everybody would be better off. And that's true for the non-Christian. But we're, we call ourselves God's children. We call ourselves Christians. So for us, these are not suggestions. 
These are commands. These are the things that God has commanded us to do. Because of this, seek to diligently apply each of, their tru- each of these truths as you guys grow in your godliness. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word, Lord. Um, we thank you for everything that you do for us, everything that you give for us. Lord, you are behind, beyond our comprehension. You're great. You are almighty. You're everything. You should be everything to each and every one of us. And we should be having a desire that makes us want to make you proud as our father. Lord, there's nothing more to a child than to make their father proud of them. Lord, I know my grandchild, he, he jumps in the pool with Floaty's arm. And he thinks he's done this great thing. And he turns and he seeks approval from his daddy. And Lord, we need to have the innocence of a three-year-old jumping into a pool and turning and looking to make you proud. Everything that we do, we should follow you. We should follow the Holy Spirit. Follow your still small voice inside of us so that each of the things that we do will glorify you and make you proud. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.